Okay, we shall continue our uh, Sunday sermon sessions in the Gospel of John. We are in chapter 15, and the portion of Scripture will be found in verses 18 through 27. 18 through 27. And thus far, we have seen, of course, from our Lord and Master speaking directly to His apostles. That is the context. He speaks to them of the necessity to abide, to remain in of course, Christ, and how one who would remain in Christ is to be productive, producing fruit, right? And he speaks of that, and then it transitioned to the uh, matter of friendship and how they are to love one another and how, of course, in practical application also to us today, loving one another. And um, this is from the teaching of what is upright and what is good, what is righteous, what is moral, what is productive. And now, in this portion, he will speak to them, teach them of the world's ways. And it is quite different than the way of the Christ. The way of the Christ is to be faithful, is to abide in Him, in His doctrine. It is to be productive in Him as legal citizens of His kingdom. And of course, in honor of the context, directly to His apostles who would become the recipients of the outpouring power of the Holy Spirit, which would endow them miraculously governed by God to speak the truth and to continue with the ministry of their Lord and Master as the doors to His church would be opened and all who sought refuge, the forgiveness of sins in Christ could be added to this wonderful kingdom that all recorded for us, witnessed and recorded in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Here in this portion, they need to understand that as vessels chosen by the Christ, they would become the recipients of harsh persecution, just as the Master went through. What the Master has gone through, they would in similar fashion have to go through. We, in practical application today, if we follow the Christ and proclaim the truth of His ministry, the Gospel, we too will become the recipients of persecution. It is an inevitable, objective, absolute reality of our existence on this earth as Christians, faithful to the Christ. And in that platform, or on that platform of introduction, we move forward, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Interesting information, obviously truthful, and it can or it is designed also in a sense to allow us comfort. Why? We're not the only ones. Jesus went through that hate 
prior to our walk with him. Jesus spoke in chapter 5 of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, in regards to the prophets being stoned. All who have believed in God and followed God faithfully throughout our history have become the recipients of persecution, at times even to death. And that is a cost they needed to count, and that is a cost we need to count. It may not be demanded of us to give our lives for the cause, and we pray we don't have to face that moment, but that don't mean it won't happen either. It might happen. And if so, we have to cultivate the courage to face that moment in Christ. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Remain Remain in Christ. We have to keep ourselves strong in Christ through His Word governing our walk. They needed to know this because they were going to go through some pretty harsh moments. Again, similar to everything Jesus had gone through. Rejection, being neglected, being slandered, being bore false witness against. All the things, even to the point of being murdered, for the cause they were going to go through. They needed to remember what you are going through is not unique to yourself. It happened to me prior to you. And it's been happening to the prophets way back when. If you were of the world, verse 19, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world... But I choose you out of the world, or I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. When he speaks of the world here, we are wise to understand he's not speaking of the beauty of the earth and its oceans and its mountains and its trees and all that is decent. He is speaking of the fallen condition, the evil uh, that is sinful and lawless in this world. There is a, a, a deep difference between what is good and what is evil. Jesus is good. The world is evil. All who follow Jesus follow what is good and the world is evil and wicked and lawless and will seek with hostility to destroy what is good. And the apostles needed to understand that and embrace that so as to be effective in their purpose, their office as apostles, miraculously endowed by the outpoured power of the Holy Spirit. They were going to become the recipients of hate from their own kind. The recipients of hate by socio-political powers and policies and leaders of their day and age. They too were going to have to persevere and navigate through harsh persecution. And they needed to understand the difference and discernment necessary to see what the world is in its hate and what love is through Christ. Sadly, there are many Christians who can't discern the difference 
And because they can't discern the difference, by default, they side with what is evil. They can't discern the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees, so they side with the Pharisees. They can't decide or they can't discern the difference between Diotrephes and Demetrius, so they side with Diotrephes. They needed to cling to the wisdom and instruction of the Christ so as to remain upright and strong when these moments occurred. If you were of the world, and it's interesting how he speaks in this way, verse 18, if the world hates you, verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own, and it certainly does for those of us who have lived in our Gentile worldview. The world loved us because we participated in the things that the world participates in, which are lawless and sinful. And so the world will embrace you. And the world does have a charm to try and lure us into its activities, which are lawless. Dear friends, sin is not void of fleshly pleasure. There is pleasure in sin. That's why a great many succumb to that pleasure and choose to sin. We have to be stronger than the temptation and say no to it and go back to these scriptures and find strength and comfort that the Christ walked this earth, was tempted in all things as you and I have been tempted, yet remained pure. And we will understand, if we remain pure in Christ, that the world will indeed hate us. It could be our own siblings, our own mother, father, family, neighbors, co-workers, friends. The world and all who are fallen with it will hate the truth and they will hate all who love, for God is love. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, you are a spiritual creature, right? We think spiritually. And because of that, the world will hate us. And it has no breach of conscience to do so with harsh hostility. We see hatred for faithful Christians through the branches of our government, through branches of corporation, through branches of academic institutions, through branches of entertainment, sports, movies, and music, and through branches of media, social, and cable outlets, all of which have now outwardly, publicly produced such corruption that they speak their agenda without any barrier. They hate Christians and they want to get rid of us. And there's just no, dis, no, uh, there's no barrier to that. They've made it very plain and clear. And the apostles uh, in their age had to go through a similar, much more aggressive reality to that end. And Christ knew they were going to go through that. And he wanted them to remain in him. Abide in me, as he would have said in verses 1 through 11. Even in those moments, abide in me. Don't give up. Remember, verse 20, the word that I said to you. Remember the word that I said to you. 
A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. The apostles were going to speak as walking inspirations, inspired by God, speaking the word of God, writing the word of God. Some were going to pay attention. Some were going to listen and believe and act upon their belief. Some were going to grow this faith in Christ and act upon their faith, an active faith. However, most were not going to. Most were going to seek to get rid of them as they did the Christ. Remember the word that I said to you. What a strong instruction that we can apply in our lives this day when we become the recipients of the world's hate and we fall in discouragement or anxiety or fear. What must we do? Remember the word. We've gone through some very devastating moments at the hands of very evil, evil people. How did we manage to heal and persevere and conquer those attacks? The word, the word of God. Not only in its written form, but in its reception in the mind. This book is but a book with words until you live them, believe them and live them. They're active in our mind. It is a living, breathing book. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. The word of God will instruct us. And it is in this immediate context, instructing the apostles that they will be um, going through some, some very difficult moments in their life. Why? Well, Jesus went through it. If your master had to go through it, if your teacher had to go through it, and you are a product of your teacher, it is only obvious, I suppose, to know that you as well will go through it. Any one of us, at any time, can be the recipient of harsh persecution. And we have been, and we will continue to be. Christians who say, I've never really had any persecution, I've never need to look in the mirror and question their faith. Truly. Now we are not to go out there in the world belligerently, rude, heavy-handed tyranny or oppressors of sorts seeking to beat people up with the Bible and incur upon ourselves harsh persecution at the hands of the world and say, aha, see how faithful I am? I went out there and I did this and I did that. I've, I purposely made myself a martyr for the cause. It's a motive of the heart. We're not seeking to cause problems in the world. We're not out there for the sole purpose of causing persecution. It is but a... Um, uh, a given that when we are faithful 
to God, we are going to be the recipients of persecution. But all these things, verse 21, they will do to you. He is speaking directly to his apostles. This is the context of these chapters. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Do we remember in chapters past when he was having interaction with the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, the socio-political policies and oppressors of their day and age, what he was saying to them? You don't know the Father. You claim to know the Father, but you do not know the Father, because if you knew the Father, you'd know me. There are some who did believe Jesus and followed him. There will be some who will believe the apostles and follow them. For what they represent, what they speak, what they say is indeed the words of the Christ and the gospel of the Christ. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know the one who sent me. And that's an interesting insight on religious people who claim to know God yet do not follow his instructions. There is an ocean of religious individuals in the world, in this country, in this province, who speak and claim Christianity, who speak and claim belief in God. Yet according to this book, they don't know God. The God they know, they created in their own image. We are wise to follow the image of the Christ revealed through the penmanship of the Holy Spirit and not create Jesus in our own image for our own agenda. Just as the religious leaders of the day, Christ walked the earth, had done. If I had not come and spoken to them, verse 22, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. The truth has been revealed. It has been spoken. It has been proclaimed. They should know better. We should know better. There is no excuse. There is no, well, I didn't know. Well, no one told me. We utilize so many excuses today. Well, who knows if the, we can trust the Bible? It's... It's an old book. It's ancient. It was written by men. Who knows if we can truly trust what it says? So I'll just create my own religious tradition, ritual, shrine, creed, statement of faith. I'll create my own and I'll, I'll tag the name of Christ to it. And there we go. We have ourselves another church in the community out of the thousands created throughout the millennia. We can trust the word of God. It's the very thing Christ spoke to his apostles about, the word. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. In other words, they know the truth. It walked among them. They have no excuse. They should have embraced it. They had been reading about it through the prophets. Why couldn't they recognize it? Pride, control, jealousy, greed, hate. Sin, sin, sin. They were more wed to their ordinances that they had since created through their own interpretation of a text to their own selfish ambitions than they were to follow the Christ. And the Christ spoke to them with strength and courage saying, you speak, my, you speak the name of God with your lips, but your hearts are far away from me. He who hates me, verse 23 
hates my father also. If you hate Jesus, you hate God the Father. If you hate God the Son, you hate God the Father. If you say you do not believe in God the Son, you don't believe in God the Father. And how many today do not believe in God the Son? He who hates me hates my Father also. And they hated Jesus. So much so, they murdered him. Why? Because he called them into repentance. And they didn't want to change. They did not want to change. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. Again, we must go back and remember the chapters prior where we were seeing Christ active in his ministry, interacting with the crowds, interacting with people individually and collectively, and how he was uh, uh, engaging the people and how he was becoming the recipient of hostility through the religious leaders who would not accept him. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in the law, verse 25. They hated me without a cause. Quoting the psalmist in which, of course, David would have also understood that persecution. They hated me without a cause. Isn't that a strange thing that we would hate someone without cause? Yet that is a very true and real thing. We here as the East Coast church that belongs to Christ, we are hated for no cause. We are hated by our own brethren who are corrupt. We are hated by the world. Why? What have we done? We've become the recipients of slander, baseless accusations, and all sorts of other persecutions. Injustice at the hands of evil individuals. Such will be the case for all faithful in Christ. And the apostles needed to know that. And Christ spoke it to them. When the helper comes, verse 26. Remember, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit is the miraculous endowment that would be poured out upon the twelve chosen vessels. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, and remember, Father, Son, Spirit are one. That's why he could say in verse 16 of chapter 14, I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper. And over here in chapter 15, verse 26, he says, When the Helper comes, when I will send to you from the Father, whom I will send to you from the Father. It all comes from the same divine source, God, one, monotheistic, in three persons. They are not to be separated. That is the Spirit of truth, whom proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. And it's interesting how the apostles, with the advocate, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, 
Acts chapter 5. They were defending Acts chapter 5, verse 32. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This, of course, of the miraculous endowment that the apostles, within the context and the grammar revealed, stood up against those who were saying, you can't speak of this man named Jesus anymore. Or there will be consequences. And they were the recipients of consequences for speaking the name of Christ. And they were joyful about it. Another very difficult concept for us to accept, to be thankful to God, to be joyful when we become the recipients of persecution. We'd much rather immediately act in retaliation or revenge. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Yeah, do not repay in the way this fallen world acts. Do not mirror the behavior and language of this fallen world. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of, of truth. And of course, what is truth? It's reality. And what is reality? The Word of God. John seventeen seventeen. we will see that. Thy Word is truth. And what does the truth do? The Word of God, reality, what does it do? It sets us free. John 8, 31 and 32 sets us free from what? The bondage of myth, superstition, lies, sin. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. The miraculous endowment of the Holy Spirit was not going to possess them away from their free will. They would have their free will thinking mind. Yet with the governing power of the, uh, 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 of the Holy Spirit, they would speak and they would write. And they were to continue in the ministry of the Christ to point people to the Messiah. Where all who are humble of heart seeking the truth could find it and have it. The freely given gift of the gospel, salvation for all who seek it, would be made available. You and I today, the beneficiaries of this information now written in the perfect law of liberty, the 66 books of the Holy Spirit's pen we have in our hands. And the instruction is true and real, going back to John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 5, this new birth in which we must obey. To be born out of water and the Spirit. We read the words of the Holy Spirit and the words of the Holy Spirit command us to repent and to be immersed. And if we repent and we are immersed, my dear friends, we will be born out of water and the Spirit. Added to His kingdom as legal citizens. Saved forgiven to live a life in practical application to the instruction, the information we can read. We must remain in Christ. We must cultivate true friendship. We must love one another. We must understand that the world is filled with hate, 
and it hates us simply for no cause other than we love Jesus and we want to live right and we want to bring as many people with us to heaven as possible. They will hate us for that. And that concludes this portion of scripture and the chapter 15. Lord willing, next Sunday we will enter into chapter 16. The invitation is always available to everyone who is seeking to have the forgiveness of sins. It is available always while you live and you have a thinking mind. Okay, let us now go to a song.